good morning. How are you guys feeling this morning? Oh, come on. That was some good stuff during that offering. I felt, didn't feel like church, did it? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, hi, my name is Dan Underhill. I'm the student pastor here. Some of you are like, that does not look like Mac Richard. It's because it's not. Uh, our lead pastor, Mac Richard, uh, got invited to be at South by Southwest leading a conversation on right brain leadership. Can we give it up for a great pastor that would get asked to lead such an event at South by? Whew. It's funny, my invitation must have got stuck in the mail. But again, it is my pleasure to be with you today, and we are in the middle of a series called Come and Get It. Now look at the person next to you, right? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. There you go. Yeah. Say, come and get it. No, no, no. Say it deep. Say, come and get it. Come and get it. Come and get it. We're talking about peace today. We're talking about the peace of God. And before I start, I wanted to tell you a quick story about my son, Jacob. Now, a lot of times I tell you stories and you guys are like, oh, yeah, Logan. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. He's a spitfire. Well, Logan is my peacemaker. Say peacemaker. Peacemaker. Now, Jake is just a guy who wants everybody to be happy, everything to be okay. In fact, when he plays baseball and someone gets hit, he's the first one that runs over. He takes a knee. He's like, you okay? Coach is like, I got it. <laughs> I got this. And I'm like, bro, over here. And he's like, I just want to check. No, 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 no. I just want to make sure he's okay. Right? And so I want to show you a quick picture of my son, uh, Jacob, so that, that way you know who I'm talking about. This is him. Yep. This is him. Everybody pay close attention to the teeth. Yeah. That's going to cost me a lot in dental work. It's no problem. My God has all I need of, right? So we can do it. But this is him. This is his face, right? That's what he looks like. He's always like, ah, full bore, happy, wants everyone to be happy. And so about two weeks ago, he woke me up early. Say early. Like early, early. Like I'm not talking about like, hey, you know, I'm a CEO. I'm going to get up at five, run about 10 miles, do some trading real quick. Then I'm going to go into the office after I get my latte. I'm not talking like 5 o'clock. I'm talking 3.45 a.m. Say, that's early. That's early. And so ready? 3.45 a.m. I'm nestled in. I'm like, no, nah, I would never snore. I'm just, I'm just nestled in, quiet, just dreaming. It's so fun. And then one half inch off of my face is, hey, Dad, yeah, what's up? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been woken up by a child, but when they wake you up about a quarter inch off of your nostrils, you're like, yeah, what's going on? How are you? Yeah. And he's like, uh, Logan's scared. You see, what had happened is this. Logan is about the age where he starts seeing things on TV, uh, and he gets in his head a little bit, and so it's awesome that they're cartoons. It's awesome these guys are fighting, but sometimes they come back and visit him at night. Okay, during his dreams, and he was scared. He was petrified. And so he climbed all the way up into the top bunk where his brother sleeps, shook him awake, and said, I need help. <laughs> you know, and Jake was like, uh, Bro, I don't know how to help you, but I know who can. And so he took him by the hand, dragged him down the ladder, brought him to my bedroom, and startled me awake. And I want to talk to you about the subject of peace today and give you some keys to peace. 
Because even if you don't know how to get peace yourself, I want to take you to the one who can give you peace. All right? So if you're taking notes, we're going to start off with number one. Okay? In order to have peace and the peace of God, you have got to be yourself. You have got to be you. Say, be you. Be you. You see, when you're you, it's irresistible to everybody else. Oftentimes, though, we find ourselves caught up in some sort of tension where we're trying to be what we presume that other people expect us to be. And why would we try to be the next best somebody else instead of the first original us? And God has created you so uniquely. God has put you together and designed you in such a way that he said, you know what? I love this. I'm going to put this in. It says in the scriptures that you were knit in your mother's womb. I don't know about you, but I don't do a whole lot of knitting, okay? Exhibit A, why I don't do knitting, okay? I have these huge meat paws called hands, all right? And I can't do the intentional movements and the intricate details that are necessary in order to knit. God very intentionally puts you together. Your personality, he wired you in such a way that you're the only one like you. I'm going to slow that down because sometimes that can fly right over our heads. You are the only one like you. There are others that are similar, but you're you. And we can't try to get ourselves caught up in the game of trying to be like somebody else. Because then they miss the original. They miss the very original, the one that God put together. You are a child of God. God said, you know what? I want this. I want that athletic person. Yeah, 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 I'm going to pour a little bit of that athleticism. Some people, he does not give a whole lot of athleticism. Okay? Some people, walking in the doors is athletic enough. Right? Other people, he makes them funny. Like, when they just talk, they're just funny. And they're a ton of fun to be around. And God has given you all these things because he's your child. And he wants you to understand why he made you the way he made you. Because he made you wonderful. You were fearfully made. You were not made to fear. You were fearfully made. He took time. He took the right ingredients and poured everything together for you. To make you who you are. He didn't make you to fear. You are God's gift to this earth. Now, I know some of you are like, did he just say that? Because someone's going to walk out. Now, ready? Husbands, wives, do not point at each other. Be like, if he knows that he's God's gift to the earth, he's never going to make it out the door. Right? But you are. You are God's gift to this earth. He designed you and wired you that way specifically. Because he wants that in the earth. And he decided you would be the best option. Not only the best option, but you were purposed for peace. He put you together. He intended it. And you're purposed for peace. This is what it says in John 14, 27. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, or do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. God says, Peace I leave with you. You were purposed for peace. 
You weren't designed to worry. And when you start to focus on others and you focus on trying to be something else other than what you were created to be, it's funny what you focus on you become. Isn't it? The things we focus on, we become. It's kind of like uh, when you're driving. When you're driving along and you start looking to the right, like for me, if when I start looking to the right, it's because I see some sort of vehicle or I see a motorcycle. I'm like, ooh, hello, Lord, that's good. Right? I love motorcycles. Right? And as I'm driving, I start looking that way. And which way do I end up driving? Toward it. If you focus on fear and you focus on other people's perceptions of you, you'll continually be stuck inside of trying to become what they think you should be. And that's not peace. That sounds like a lot of chaos to me. Second, we got to be content. Be content. This is what it says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Being content is not about what you have or what you don't have. Being content is about an attitude. It's about a peace of mind that says, I have everything that I need. You see, need and want are two very different things, aren't they? We think we need certain things, but in reality, we just want them. Like my sixth grader, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Eve. She's like, Dad, I need an iPhone 6 Plus. And I'm like, do you realize you don't even have a backpack big enough to carry that? She doesn't need the iPhone 6. She wants the iPhone 6. But it's funny, the more we focus on what other people have, it shows our value. It shows that that's what we're fixated on. And when we're fixated on those things, we find ourselves not content at all. We're focused on other things instead of the one who can truly provide us with peace. And learning to be content is a hard thing to do. Because the reality is, a lot of times, we're not happy with who we are. We're not. We know how messed up and broken we are. And if we know that we're messed up and we know that we're broken and that we make mistakes, then it makes us insecure. And so we end up trying to sell a version of ourselves to somebody that we don't even believe in. And if you don't believe in you, why should they believe in you? You've got to believe who God's created you to be, and to be content with what he's designed you for, what he's purposed you for. And when you do, you will walk in the peace of God like nobody else. Here's what it says in Proverbs 14, 30. It says, a heart at peace will give life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Man, is it hard. It is tough to not envy, isn't it? Okay, is it just me? Okay, maybe it's just me driving down B Caves Road where I'm just like, that's a Lamborghini. 
It's probably a little more expensive than my Passat. Okay, I get it. It's probably compensating. I get it. No, I understand. Look, look, envy is a big deal. It's a big deal because our eyes are the gateways to our soul, the Bible says. And when the eyes are the gateway to our soul, what we watch and what we long for becomes a part of us. And then we can't be surprised that when we're full of envy and we're not satisfied with what God's given us, then why we feel like we're not peaceful inside. We have to learn to be grateful. We have to learn to not promote the problems that we see. Man, I wish I could afford that. I wish I could do that. Oh, man, my kids won't be able to, man, stressed out. There's no need to stress. We need to promote his promises because God says he has everything that you need. He will provide for you according to his riches and glory. And we need to start promoting that instead of the problem. We need to start generating gratefulness. What I've been told is that I, youth pastor, the entitlement generation. You guys ever heard this? Oh, they're so entitled. Oh, I'm so entitled. I don't know where they would learn it from. <gasps> Awkward laughter. We have to generate gratefulness. Gratefulness is not a natural move for us. Gratefulness has to be built. You have to be intentional about building gratefulness. Maybe we need to just start by saying, God, thank you for big old meat paws. I can't knit with them. But I tell you what, they can lift big old heavy things. And my wife loves the fact that I can carry big heavy objects and move stuff into the attic and pull it down and move furniture every other week or not. Okay? No, oh, couch over there. I'm like, yes, ma'am. But when was the last time we thanked God for our hands? When was the last time that we, we thank God for our brain working the way that it does? Most times, if you're like me, you're like, oh, my gosh, Lord, if you could help get a thought in here, it would help. But we need to speak life into it. We need to, we need to change the way that we are grateful by generating that gratefulness inside of us. You've got to stir it up. You've got to start it. And you need to plan for peace. If you don't plan for peace, you will not have peace, says a man with four kids in Austin, where if you have four kids in Austin, that's crazy, right? You have to be very strategic to plan for peace in your life because your heart will get so twisted and get so jacked up if you don't plan intentionally for peace. Where are the moments in your day where you plan for peace? We plan lunch. Some of us, we plan lunch well in advance. We plan meetings. We plan what time we have to be home. We plan what time we have to be to work. We plan on traffic. We plan all these things. Where do we plan for peace? Because that peace will produce joy in our life. And I don't know any of us that are just like, you know, I am just overwhelmed with joy. I just don't have any more room for too much more joy. I'm full up. No, we need to plan for peace. This is what it says in Proverbs 12, 20. It says, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. If you're lacking joy, I want to encourage you, I want to inspire you. Plan some peace this week. 
what if, walk with me now, what if we used our phone and we plugged in an appointment with no one? The shock and awe. What if we planned time to think? What if we planned in some time just to say, you know, I'm going to thank God that he woke me up this day. And at 3 o'clock, I'm going to stop and say, God, thank you for my legs that work. Thank you for my back that is strong. Thank you for my eyes that are working as good as they work. Thank you for my hands that are still, yeah, they're still functioning. That's good. That's great. You see, I spent some time this week with a woman I haven't seen in three months. And as I spent time with her, I said, where have you been? I haven't seen you. And she's like, I had a stroke. I said, I'm sorry, I had no idea. And she goes, well, there's no way you could have known. She goes, but I'll tell you what it changes. It changes your perspective when you're laying in a bed and you're just saying, I just want to be able to talk. If I could just talk, I'd be happy. When we change our perspective, all of a sudden we can be more grateful. When we're more grateful, we can be more intentional when we're more intentional, we can plan for peace. And we can carve out in those blocks in our calendars, when are we going to have peace in our life? Because if you wait for someone else to plan peace for you, it will never come. You have got to fight. You have got to wrestle. You have got to grapple that thing to the ground and say, here is where I'm going to have peace. Here's where I'm going to plan intentionally to wrestle this thing down to the ground and be grateful for what I have. I wrote some things down about peace. I just kind of listen to this. It says, everybody wants peace, but few have it. Once you have it, you'll have to work to keep it. Even when you work to keep it, you can't buy it. You can simply have it. Come and get it. I want to read it to you one more time because you may have missed it. It says, everybody wants peace, but few have it. Once you have it, you'll have to work to keep it. Even when you work to keep it, you can't buy it. If you want it, you can have it. Come and get it. And the scripture tells us that God says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will bring you rest. I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot of people like, man, I am just so rested up. I mean, I am over-rested this week. I've been resting so much. Man, rest sounds so refreshing, doesn't it? Rest sounds so appealing, doesn't it? There's a way to get there, and it's not sleep. It might be going back to the Father's feet and saying, these things are too heavy for me. These things I was not designed to carry. They become too heavy. I'm going to lay them at your feet, and you can give me rest. The third key to peace is you have to have the right they-sayers. Be the right they-sayer. You ever heard about those people? You ever hear people say, you know, they say, oh, well, they said it's going to be warm tomorrow. Or, you know, they said that they were going to build a brand new uh, baseball park over there. Who's the they, right? You guys ever wondered that? Like, who's that mysterious they that we all talk about? Like, you know, they, you know, they, them, they. You need to be the right they in the way that you speak. Here's what it says in Proverbs 12, 18. It says, there is one who's rash with words. The one, 
There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Man, the power of life and death is in your mouth. God says, you know what? You need to bring life and bring joy and bring healing with your words because your words matter. They matter so much. You see, if you're the wrong they-sayer, then you probably tend to gossip. Is he talking about gossip from church? My gosh. I know it's deadly quiet. But gossip can rob us of our peace. And it starts out simple enough. It's more like, have you heard? Did you know? Can you believe? I'm just, I'm, I'm concerned for them. And as we engage in the gossip wheel and process, we pull ourselves into a rat wheel that is exhausting us emotionally and it's pulling our peace outside of us. And maybe if we closed our lips a little more often and spoke less, the peace that's inside of us wouldn't leave us so quickly. It would stay and remain inside of us. You see, the right they will produce peace. The right they will produce peace in you. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to choose to not take offense. They're going to choose, like, I'm not going to be offended by this. I'm going to assume that what they meant was something different. And I'm, I'm not going to take offense to that. And I know that this is a, a little bit of a strange concept, but you have the power to choose whether you're offended or not. Yes, you do. I can choose whether or not someone is going to offend me. If they say something nasty, that's their fault, not mine. Well, what if they do something to hurt my kids? Well, maybe they didn't mean to. Maybe we have the power over our own emotions and we can't control them. We can only control us. And so we teach our children to control their actions. And sometimes we should take that pill ourselves and say, ooh, I need to control myself because... I'm offended about what they said or what they did and you're the one whose peace is gone because you're wound up and twisted inside about it. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Choose to not take offense. Choose to respond instead of react. Intentionally respond instead of reacting to things as they hit you. Intentionally respond to not doing that. I'm not going down that road. I've been down that road. I don't want to talk about those things. I'm sorry, I'm going to use my words to provide healing, as the scripture says. Assume the best of people. Assume the best instead of assume the worst. You see, I'm the kind of person who's a glass half-empty kind of guy. All right, when I see a glass, I'm like, man, I wish it was full. Oh, man, I just wish we had a little bit more. I'm that type. That's my personality, okay? And that's fine, but you've got to get it under control and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to intentionally encourage myself in the Lord and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to assume the best of these people. See, the way that this plays out is when my wife and I get in the car and I go to pull out onto Bee Cave Road, which the speed limit is right around 100 million miles an hour. Okay? And, like, and I come up to that stop sign. And of course, when I come to my stop sign, people are there. Right? I mean, people are there. Right? That's wow. It's like jump rope. You've got to find your spot. Right? 
and get in line and go. And then you pull out, you absolutely floor it, right? So that that way you can get up to speed to stay with everybody else. And then the person in front of you decides, oh, I'm going to turn in here. And it's right after you pulled out. So it's like down direction. And you're like, am I the only one who deals with road rage? Oh, I get it. You can't admit it. I understand. And then my wife just gently puts her hand over her leg. She's like, they did it on purpose. (laughs) They knew you were going to be there. The whole city of Austin decided to mess with you today. It's all conspiracy, Dan. And I'm just like, helping, helping. But she's right. I need to assume the best. Maybe the guy's just trying to get home and see his kids because he hasn't seen them yet. Maybe he's been traveling all week. He had to go to Godforsaken Dallas. And he's just excited because he's back in the ATX. And he just wants to get home and see his babies. It's not a personal offense to me. Assume the best. And then with our mouth and with our tongue, we can provide healing by speaking life. Speak life. God is teaching this to me through my son, Jacob. His favorite song right now is called Speak Life. He's like, Dad, can we play Speak Life? I'm like, dude, we have played this thing so many times. Sure, buddy. And then as I was driving on a beautiful sunny day, which we get very few of in Austin recently, but now it's back to nice. I'm driving in and God, God says, I'm trying to speak to you through him. You need to speak life. Because too often you can go to the negative. You can go to something not positive. You need to speak life. You need to speak life into your marriage. You need to speak life into your partner to say, you look great. Because by the looks of most of you, you married up. Okay? I'm looking at you, right? You did well for yourself. I know. I did really well for myself. I said that in the first service, and the guy came out, and he goes, I did not think you were right, but wow, you outpunted your coverage. And I was like, thank you? But speak life into your marriage. Speak life into your children, into your kids. Speak life into your future. Speak life into it. Stop talking about why it's negative. Stop talking about why you can't. Start talking and dreaming about what you're going to build, about what's possible, about what God might want to use them for, about what it is they could do because they are limitless. The only limits put on them are usually imposed by mom and dad. Because even as I say that, you're sitting there and you remember words that were said to you by your mom and by your dad. Don't let that go on. Draw it to a close. Because you are a child of God. These are your children. Your children are growing up in your home and they're absorbing everything you're saying. Speak life into them. They are precious. Too often we view children as an inconvenience when in reality they are a blessing from God. They are the blessing of God to work out your craziness sometimes. But they are nonetheless a blessing. You see, too often we think that peace comes horizontally from things that you say or that you see or somewhere you go 
or something you do. But in reality, peace comes vertically. It comes from God. And he is the only source of true peace. He's the only place where you can truly find peace. And as long as we're searching in this direction, we will forever miss the point. But God wants to download peace to you because you're his child. Go back to Jacob. Jacob didn't have what Logan needed to help him to not be afraid anymore. He didn't have what it took to make him not be fearful. But what he did know is he knew where to take him. He goes, if you just come with me, I can take you to dad. And dad, dad will fix it. Dad will fix it. You get where I'm going with that. We need to be those type of peacemakers. You see, because the goal of the gospel is that we are no longer slaves to fear. Because each of us is a child of God.
you still got fear, I don't know how you can get it after that. You are a child of God. Have a seat. Bow your heads with me. If he would split the Red Sea so his children could walk across it on dry land, what won't he do for you? is impossible for him to do for you. Not only does he love you, but he likes you. There is nothing impossible for your God. It's about getting back to him. And today if you're here and maybe you're you're new and you say, I don't, this whole thing about God, I, I didn't know. I wasn't aware. But you say that you don't have a relationship with God. I'm here to invite you into one because you are a child of his and he wants you back. So in this moment, if that's you, you can say a quiet, still prayer right where you're sitting, not out loud. Just say, God, I choose you. 
choose you as my Lord and my Savior to live my days out like a son or a daughter of God. Or maybe you're here and you've already made that commitment. God is your Father and you know that, but somehow you've drifted away and you'd say, uh uh-uh. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Today's a good day. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you to stay there. Every day, get up and go back there because that's living in peace. Come and get it. If you made that decision, if you made a decision to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, for the first time. We want to ask you to mark that moment. The way we're asking you to mark that moment is just by doing something physical to resemble what was happening spiritually on the inside. So if that's you and you prayed that prayer today with heads bowed and eyes closed, you don't have to worry about anybody looking around at you. Would you be bold enough and brave enough to just put your hand in the air and say, that's me. I made that decision today. Raise it confidently. Just say, I'm a son of God. I am a daughter of God now. We want you to know that that is a one-time decision and you just made the best decision of your life. And as you put your hands down, we have a tradition around here to put our hands together and say, welcome home.